Hello everyone, we're Superhero Stuff You Should Know, and if you think you know about superheroes and comic books, think again. We got romance, we got action, romance. we got comedy, we got everything you need, man. Come on down to Superhero Stuff You Should Know for all your superhero needs. Uh, ro I, I don't know about this romance, what part are you talking about? We've got all kinds of sketches, and then deep dives on top of that. Come on down to Superhero Stuff You Should Know! <laughs> Alright, so come on down to wait, why did I say come on down? To Superhero Stuff You Should Know. Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and, oh, the practical effects. <sighs> um, and also the male gaze? My gaze at the males... Hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. It is mind-blowing. And heartbreaking. How many original scripts are written every year but are never made? So we seek out these scripts and bring them to life with full audio production and professional actors. Check us out at Undiscovered Scripts. Movies made of paper. Wherever you get your podcasts. Free! You can watch Mr. Rogers, you can watch Three's Company, and you can turn on fame or the newlywed game or the Adam's Family. All right, Matt. I'm going to be real up front right now. It's important that we be honest with each other. Brady Bunch is a strong contender for what might be my lowest ranked parody in Weird Al's history. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that's interesting because I haven't thought about where my lowest ranked ones would go. This is not... It's certainly not my favorite. I don't know <laughs> if it's going to be at the very bottom. There are a couple other things that come to my head as we go through the years here. And I and I think that it doesn't help itself by coming after Eat It and Midnight Star. Like this this takes a real real nosedive <laughs> at track 3. It picks itself up pretty quickly from that point, but this is I would say the lowest point of the N3D album is the Brady Bunch parody. I think I might agree with that. I yeah. think I might agree with that. This is, yeah, well, you know, it's interesting because this is one that really has, we were talking about how these things age, and yeah. so much of that is kind of out of your control, and it is really funny that this song is just reference after reference to TV shows that I feel like, and funny enough, actually, I never put it together that shortly after this, we have the song about Jeopardy. Yeah. <laughs> it's really interesting that he was really on a kick at this point in time. Yeah, this is the proto-TV album. This was before yeah, he was the was. food guy. <laughs> um, but he's just kind of like running down TV shows. And it's not that I haven't heard of them, but it's like, yeah, I don't know. It, it has dated this song in a really odd way. It's dated in an odd way. It's. I think the other thing that really bothers me about this song is... So let's start here. Let's start here. So the first, this is the first parody that was recorded for the album. Um, it was a parody of the safety dance by men without hats, where the narrator expresses his dislike for the sitcom, the Brady bunch. Um, the song also contains a lyrical adaptation of the Brady bunch theme song, something that Yankovic would later do on money for nothing. Beverly Hillbillies for UHF. I am convinced that this song 
is entire that we have a song that we're listening to that is entirely based on the idea that he was like, oh man, you can sing the Brady Bunch theme to the beat of Safety Dance, <laughs> and that's as far as the thinking went because it is just him listing a bunch of shows that he would rather watch besides the Brady Bunch. But like when he sings Brady Bunch where safety dances, it doesn't even feel smooth. Like it feels real clunky and awkward. Well, that's what I was going to say because it was funny you were saying how that was the original conceit. And I feel like that probably makes sense as an original conceit, but it doesn't work that well. No. That's what's <laughs> weird about this song. Like this is, you know, it's funny for like uh, our taste of it aside. It's an interesting thing to talk about because, th- yeah, this feels clunky. It feels kind of lazy. It does not feel like a, one of his more inspired choices at all. For sure. I, and it, it, so it makes me wonder why, like how we got here, how we got yeah. to this point. And all I can think is that, you know, this was, um, it's all pop culture, right? He's just like trying to grab onto whatever bits of pop culture. So he's doing the parody of a song while also referencing all of these other pop culture moments of the, t- of the moment. Yeah. In it, and he's kind of like looking for things to latch on to, or looking for things for listeners to latch on to. Is like, ah, oh, I get it. It's funny because he's referencing, you know, blank. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Three's Company, in a in a song about the. I, I don't know. It's it's just it feels like the reference alone is the joke. Yeah, but that's not a joke. That's just referencing a show. It's that's on. Yeah, I, I I don't know. Again, the the thought process behind this one, how how this came to be, is odd to me so for a really long time when i was like a hardcore wrestling fan there would be this joke that my friends and i would make where we'd be hanging out watching a pay-per-view and there'd be like a really stupid match like just a dumb as dirt match yeah and we would think to ourselves like "Ugh, if someone who didn't watch wrestling tuned in and this was the first match that they saw yeah they would wonder what the fuck is wrong with us for loving this thing as much as we do? Yeah. And that's kind of how I feel. Like, if Brady Bunch was someone's entrance to Weird Al, they would not understand why you and I have the love and passion that we do for Al. Yeah, I like, think that's I think that's fair. Yeah, just, I, I, again, I'm, I'm kind of, like, I'm oddly fascinated by it because it's, it does just feel like a miss, which is really not typical for him. No. The, and um, and like a big miss, like yeah. like this is, it's it's kind of one of the more I I think this might be the most difficult one that we're ever going to have to talk about because there's really like not a lot of meat on the bone to begin with, with it. Yeah, kind of not. I mean, so I'm curious. Like, do you have? I I, I think you covered this song. You covered Safety Dance on One Hit Thunder. Yes. I don't. I did not actually listen to that episode. I'm curious so your thoughts of just the original. So let's get into that. Yeah, let's talk about yeah. the original real quick. Well, let me ask you first, since I I already know my established That's opinion true. and did you, like your opinion minutes. is already on the record. Yeah. So what it's is your there. opinion on Safety Dance? First off, I don't mind this song. It's goofy. It's a novelty. I also do feel like when I listen to it, it sounds kind of like a dollar store version of a lot of better new wave music happening at that time. It's a little paint by numbers, but I don't know. And maybe this is some nostalgia coming into play for me. I have ridiculous silly memories not unlike mickey actually which we yeah already talked about this feels very similar to me to that i think mickey is a better song but this is very like fourth grade school dance roller skating party type stuff and i don't mind it i i it's not 
I mean, is it a great song? Probably not. But I, I, I don't uh, have a real problem with it. You know, it's funny. It wasn't until you just said this, but I realized that another big thing that's that's kind of an uphill battle with this parody, and it's something that we talked about briefly with Ricky, but this is a parody of a novelty song, yes. which is like already an uphill battle. Yes. I like this song, uh, Safety Dance. It, it's grown on me. It grew on me a lot more listening to the epi- uh, when we did the episode for One Hit Thunder on the song. Men Without Hats is almost like Canada's Chumbawamba, where they weren't making punk music, but they yeah. had a very punk attitude towards a lot of their stuff. Um, this song specifically is about him getting kicked out of a club for pogo dancing and him writing. It's oh. like an anti-bouncers song. Like, it's like, hey, like, just because it looks like we're being violent, we're all friends here, and, like, this is, like, our sense of community is, like, jumping around together and, you know, the the closeness of it. But, like, to the squares out there that are hired at the club to keep things safe, they don't see it as that. They see it as violence. Um, and then, you know, you get a weird fucking music video and everyone thinks that it's a nuclear war <laughs> song but like yeah i i like it it's it's kind of one of those things that i feel like also got co-opted by family guy where there's stuff that's like perfectly fine but then like and i don't even know if family guy did anything about it i haven't watched family guy in decades but like same thing with like surfing bird like i like the song surfing bird for it being a really fucking great garage rock song <laughs> yeah. but it's it's kind of been tainted by like the normal person only knows that song because family guy mentioned it sure, so it's sure, like a sure, joke sure. it's just like a jokey song to them i it's it's a similar complaint i have with like i love randy newman i think randy newman is one of the most brilliant songwriters in american history Agreed. but most people's exposure to him is the family guy parody that he just like writes songs about everything he sees and it's like oh my god you're you're yeah. cutting yourself off from like one of the most incredible <laughs> lyricists yeah. that has like ever walked this earth. That's true. <laughs> like, so, I I I think that safety dance has become kind of a, a, a it it's kind of one of those things that like it started as a joke, it got kind of good, then it became a joke again, and now like because of the joke, it's kind kind of becoming good a second time. Like it, it's just like. In this yeah. constant, like, it's like a snake eating its tail type situation. Yeah, it is interesting. I, I think it's also anything that classes as a novelty song is almost certainly, I mean, even songs that aren't wear out their welcome when they get played too much, and then these sorts of things, because they really appear everywhere, really wear out their welcome, and after a while, people are just like, oh my god, this is like the last thing I want to hear. But then enough time passes, and then people get more detached from it, and then it becomes this great little piece of nostalgia. Again, not to go back to Mickey, but I feel like that's exactly the same, where now I feel like any younger person who wasn't around for the first wave of that song would hear that and be like, oh, this is fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Men Without Hats are still going. They put out an album this year, which is- Really? Yeah, which is crazy. They bounced around through different sounds. They're technically not a true one-hit wonder. They did have a second song that did well on most charts except for the Billboard Top 100, um, which was Pop Goes the World, uh, that came out like five years after Safety Dance. Wow, I don't think uh, I It actually that charted higher than Safety Dance in their home country of Canada. But uh, wow. it, yeah, they, they've been popping out music pretty regularly. But in the 90s, they tried to do a grunge album. 
and that was like the one album that Chris was like, yeah, they're they're not a grunge band. Like <laughs> I want I want the keyboards, I want the the yeah. dancing music, and that that led us down a whole. That episode's fun. We had, we were joined by this guy Ryan Stick, who I'm sure will be on Weird Algorithm at some point. We got into a whole conversation of artists who tried to change their sound to stay relevant in the early '90s, and like how unlistenable a lot of those albums are. Generation Swine by Motley Crue is a is a big one that comes yeah. to mind for me. It happened to a lot of people. I mean, that was like, I think if you were any band in the 90s and funny enough we're going to get to this <laughs> yeah with al but if you were any band in the 90s at, and when nirvana exploded basically everybody was just like well you gotta do something like this like yeah you gotta you gotta try to cash in on this success and it's it sent a lot of other acts really down a bad path <laughs> i mean i've heard stories of, of bands who like got dropped yeah, because they weren't, you know, if you weren't at U2 level, a smaller band was like, well, we don't really do the grunge thing. We do this. And then the label's like, cool. Well, bye. <laughs> I, uh, that was it. That was all that was selling. I, I remember one of my favorite sentences written by this guy, Chuck Klosterman wrote a, you know, he writes all these beautiful essays about yes. pop culture. And he talks about the 90s specifically. I haven't read his book, The 90s, just yet, but I, I'm very excited to sit I down heard and read good, it. Yeah. But in one of his earlier books, he talks about how like his, we, history has rewritten the importance of Nirvana just a bit, mm. where he's like, if you're to believe history, it's like, smells like Teen Spirit video drops, and then the next day, like everything is different. And he's like, it was way more gradual than that. And he's like, I'm embarrassed to say that for a long time, me and my friends couldn't tell Nirvana and Ugly Kid Joe apart. And like, <laughs> Oh wow, that is that is an embarrassing thing to admit. Yeah, but like in hindsight, at least in hindsight. But then it's like I I could see Ugly Kid Joe being one of those bands that kind of they were in that weird pocket. I love Ugly Kid Joe. Side note, but they were in that very strange pocket where it's like they're kind of a hair metal band. They got a little bit of grunginess to them, but like, but I could see them just not being able to survive in in the insanity that was 1991 to 1994. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Hello everyone, we're Superhero Stuff You Should Know, and if you think you know about superheroes and comic books, think again. We got romance, we got action, romance. we got comedy, we got everything you need, man. Come on down to Superhero Stuff You Should Know for all your superhero needs. Uh, ro- I, I don't know about this romance, what part are you talking about? We've got all kinds of sketches, and then deep dives on top of that. Come on down to Superhero Stuff You Should Know! <laughs> Alright, so come on down to su- wait, why did I say come on down? To Superhero Stuff You Should Know. Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and, oh, the practical effects. <sighs> um, and also the male gaze? My gaze at the males. From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. 
At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on the regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous, but should be. Why did my facing Floyd Mayweather in the Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. But yeah, I mean, Men Without Hats is worth checking out. I, I can tell you that there are better Men Without Hats songs than the song Brady Bunch. I, I'm glad yeah, to know that. That's really cool. And I like <laughs> that they're still a band and they're still doing the thing. That's yeah, awesome. They, they dipped in and out, but yeah, they've been they've been continually putting out records for the last couple decades which i mean you're in a band that that's doing the same damn thing right for like, sure yeah i mean when they got you know they got 20 years on weedus but um I'm, still like I, I think there are people who are genuinely shocked when they hear like oh weedus put out a new record and they're like really <laughs> oh yeah we get that all the time <laughs> yeah it's one of the funniest like i'm sure again a band like men without hats get it too like you play a show and someone comes up to you and be like where have you guys been it's like we've been here doing this. We have gone nowhere ever. <laughs> it's what, just been plowing through the whole time. What bums me out, and this is like a big uh, point of contention with me with the One Hit Thunder podcast, is like I hate when people get shitty about it. Like it's fine yeah. to be like, oh, I don't remember this, but it's like, oh, why do all these people pay money to go to a show to see a band they only know one song of? And it's like, well, maybe they know more than one song. Like just because you totally. only know one song, like. You exactly. Know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was at that show. I was singing along with with a bunch of the songs that got played. I was getting stoked about the new material. Like, I was bummed that you didn't play Sunshine. Like, mm. you know, like there are people who can be fans of music that you don't know other songs by. Like, that's like, like it's, it's very true. That that was like, I've I've said that part of the reason why I wanted to start One Hit Thunder was that I just really wanted more people to know the song "Singing in My Sleep" by Semisonic because I think that song is amazing. <laughs> like. I don't know that there are bands that that are uh, again this is this is not really tied to weird Al, but i guess it kind of is it's very frustrating to to have a conversation with someone who's very close-minded towards like oh well if i don't know it it can't be good sure. you know what i mean yeah i got yeah. into an argument with someone when the beastie boys were inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame mm -hmm. and he was like oh they only got inducted because the one member died and I'm like, no, they were like a massively important band. He's like, yeah, maybe like for that one album in the 80s. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's yeah. like, well, I don't remember anything after Sabotage, so they couldn't have been relevant anymore. And I'm like, well, that's <laughs> insane because they were relevant and continued to put out big records and push music videos to like new limits. And like, you know, like, well, it's funny. Sabotage is... Uh Obviously, it was a big song, but you, when you said like that big record from the '80s, that's not—I didn't think of sabotage. I assumed no. he was thinking of License to Ill, I, and I'm sure that um, that's what he was thinking of. And then, yeah. like, he's like, the most I remember after that was maybe sabotage. You know, like yeah, it was like yeah, an yeah. older dude, but it's like, dude, Intergalactic was huge when I was a kid. Like, sure, absolutely. And, and even if they didn't have a big hit after that, every time that a new music video dropped from them, it was a big deal on MTV. It was like, yeah. oh, here's here's the next thing that the Beastie Boys are putting out, and like, yeah. I would. There were people who were waiting with bated breath for when the Hot Sauce Committee album was finally going to drop because there'd totally. been, like, it's I don't know that that's that's the stuff that like 
is just so inferior. Because no one's sitting there like, because Madonna hasn't had a hit in 10 years, being like, oh, Madonna doesn't deserve to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> She's really fallen off in her yeah. 60s. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, in a way, I actually feel like that older mentality is is probably going to fade a bit now because music has now just become so much more niche yeah. across the board. Like, yeah, it's it not doesn't just, matter what it is. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. Like, you know, wildly popular music just doesn't get played on the radio anymore like it's you can have a song like oh i've never heard of this song you're like oh it's got a billion plays on spotify so yeah. like, well, what do i what do i know i'm you know i 1, I work in music and it happens to me all the time but you know sort of swinging back to al a little bit it's part of what i love about the parodies and also what i feel like is a miss on this track is we said this before i remember saying this about um stop dragging my car around is I usually get a sense when he parodies something that he is, that he loves it, that he loves what he's doing, and that it's like a very respectful and honoring the track. And I don't really get that sense with this one. This feels no. oddly cut and paste and just sort of going through the motions, both with the lyrics that he chose to, to use for it and the song in general. Yeah, I just don't get that sense of like I, appreciation. And again, I could be completely wrong. This is just in my... No, in, I in my mind. But. I agree with you cuz again, I I think that there's this element where my my version of the writing of this song is Weird Al driving around, safety dances on the radio, mm-hmm. and he jokingly starts singing the Brady Bunch theme to it and then is like, "Oh, that that worked really well. I'm going to write a whole song around that concept." And it's like it's it's a lot of work to get to that one like 30 second part where he's singing <laughs> singing the Brady Bunch song over top yeah. of the beat. And and maybe it's because it's fresh in my head. I, I went to a high school graduation yesterday uh-huh. at my old high school, and the kids sang the alma mater. And I still knew all of the words to my high school alma mater because when I was in school, they had hammered it into us that like we needed to beef up our school spirit. Everyone needed to know the words of the alma mater. And it got to the point where te- like teachers would give us tests where for like 20 bonus points, we had to write the alma mater really? on the back of the test. Yeah. Man, and if my school had an alma mater, I do not, I did not hear it once. <laughs> so I didn't want to get, I didn't want to lose out on those bonus points. <laughs> the traditional, like borderline hymn type anima, alma mater, you know, where it's like knowledge, truth, and honor. Like no real like rhythm or beat. But when I was looking at the lyrics, I realized. <laughs> that I could sing it to the Flintstones theme and I would remember the words. So here I am like almost 20 years later and it's like knowledge, truth and honor, may our motto always be and to some Valley High School, blue and gold, we shall love thee for years that we will look back to you, a light that never will go dim, a guiding light you'll always be, and we shall be true to, we shall be true to, we shall be true to thee. <laughs> like, it's locked in there. Like, it is just living rent-free in my brain now. <laughs> That's, uh, oh man, that really made my day. I loved that one line, it didn't rhyme when it really thought it was gonna rhyme. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, uh, for oh, sure. Oh God, that's great. I can't, that's so weird. I. Yeah, my school, I don't think 
my school had one I don't of those think things. Most high schools do. I've never heard of a school having That's an super alma mater. Weird. That feels very um like from a TV show. Yeah, we're just like a fucking weird school in the suburbs. Like we're not like anything prestigious. Did you guys have like pep rallies and stuff like that? Did you have like a sports team at your school that was like a big deal? Uh, I mean, we had a sports team. We had like football and basketball, but no one. I mean, I guess people went to the football games, but they weren't singing the alma mater there. <laughs> like. It was so interesting. We didn't do it's, pep rallies. That, we did homecoming. That was it. Like that was the only pep rally. Was my like school homecoming. had a homecoming thing with a dance, but yeah. I didn't go. That wasn't my scene, so I didn't do it. That, it just reminded me of like my my wife is from England, and okay. uh, she like years ago was like we were watching some TV show that had a pep rally. You know, like from any kind of classic sitcom high school thing. And we're like, is that a thing in America? I was like, <laughs> it wasn't for me. I, it probably is somewhere. Um, oh, I'm sure that there I are did schools. Not have that. I'm sure that you go to like Texas where they have like those crazy football mm-hmm. fans. Like, I'm sure that they have like the weekly pep rally during football season yeah. or whatever. But yeah, we had literally just homecoming. Like, it was like homecoming. They would take us out on the bleachers. It was an excuse to get out of the school for an hour. They would, you know, do their whole spiel. I don't think they even do the Mr. and Mrs. Chai because that was our rival school that we always played for homecoming. Mm. So it was like, the people could sign up to be Mr. and Mrs. Chai, and it was essentially a drag show. Um, wow. Making, oh, my God. Yeah, making making fun of those Chai kids. So it was like <laughs> the guys would play the girls, and the girls would play the guys for Mr. and Mrs. Chai. Uh, it was it was, it was was a different time, That's 2003. <laughs> oh, That's I look, crazy. I, look, I didn't have, so we had a homecoming, but it was we didn't go. It was on the weekend. It was yeah. like you showed up, and I was like, oh, I'm not going. To oh, that. no, this was, like, yeah. I, I this, didn't miss any like school a, for it. There was no. Uh, oh, this was midday. This was like, wow. this was like if school got done at three, this was at like 1.30, 2 o'clock on the Friday before the homecoming game, like going outside to the bleachers. They would have like games and shit. Like it was, it was boring, but it was some, my benefit my survival skill throughout all of high school was that I was on the the TV studio, which uh-huh. meant that while I was required to attend all of these events, I was attending them as a camera guy. So I usually oh. was like up That's in the nice. announcing booth or yeah, at yeah, one yeah. point I was on the roof of the announcing booth with like a camera set up. And then we had, we had gotten really, like the reason why I'm doing podcasts is almost definitely because of that, because mm. we had to figure out scrappy ways to get the best quality of stuff so we would get on the roof of our school's bleachers announcement booth and have cables running through the roof into where the announcers were running into like an slr cord into the camera so when we were filming it we were getting the announcements with the with the audit yeah and then eventually we figured out how to like set up a like a good enough shortwave satellite that we could be broadcasting the football game live on our like school channel. Um, so like anybody within like the, you know, 10, 15 mile radius had like a channel where it would post like school closure announcements and like snow day announcements, but we could live stream the football games on there. Man, you're, I mean, I'm, I'm impressed. Like, again, that's, I don't think my school had any of that. And if it did, I was not aware of it, which is a shame because I feel like I would have been into that myself. But so that was a lot to do with the teacher. That's impressive. There's one similarity there. One of my music teachers was also, uh, I think out of his own pocket. I don't know for sure, but I think out of his own pocket, he bought a bunch of early IMAX for the music theory class because it had, this goes back a ways. There was a program called digital performer. That was essentially a proto version of GarageBand, 
like okay. a DIY, make your own music. At that time, that was really cutting edge stuff, like a home audio recording system like that. And uh, set it up so that we could learn theory, but then also actually like play and make little compositions on the computer and stuff. Yeah. And that was that was huge Dude, for me. I loved that. Shout, that shout out to the teachers that like legitimately give a shit. Like who, I who truly, truly care. Every school deserves at least a couple teachers like that. Sadly, I feel like a lot of kids don't even get that one. No. But it's I also had someone similar, like again, someone who really feels like is it, your ally. Which it is makes so all huge. the difference because yeah. there's kids who don't need that help, but the kids who do will appreciate that teacher big time yeah. for their entire life. Uh, I'm, I would generally be curious, like, uh, if anyone wants to chime in, what their high school experience was like. Was it more like Matt's, where you had an alma mater and a homecoming events where you were out there, or either cheering on your team or running <laughs> video cameras from the roof of the building, <laughs> or was it like me where no one cared about anything and you were just were getting through it? If so, if your school did have an alma mater, did you learn the words by creating a Brady Bunch style parody <laughs> of uh, your alma mater and singing it along to the Flintstones or some other thing? Um, one other little note on Brady Bunch because I just looked it up and I. This is interesting to me just because of the business side of music. Um, Al did have to credit, as co-writers of this song, the two creators of the show, The Brady Bunch. Oh, because he sings the theme? Yeah, Because he okay. sings the theme song. Makes sense. That makes sense. It does um, make sense from a business perspective. It seems like a real mistake. Yep. Oh, we're going <laughs> to oh, we're gonna talk about, because we got a polka on this album, and there's, there's some Ooh. interesting stuff that goes on with how he can afford those polkas. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, all right. Well, let's do the rankings real quick. I mean, it's no secret on my end. I said it right out the front. This is the bottom of my list right now for parodies. I th I think that uh, I'm going to put it above Stop Dragging My Car Around. Okay. Okay. I don't agree with that. Call. This is the first call. <laughs> That's similarly, similarly to when I put Ricky above Eat It and you and Chris was like, what are you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's all I'm yeah. thinking on this one. Yeah, but I, I I don't know. <laughs> I would I would listen to this before I listen to Stop Dragging My Car Around. I think the difference is that Stop Dragging for me, Stop Dragging My Car Around, and and maybe this is why you put it a little bit higher. Stop Dragging My Car Around. I feel nothing towards. Whereas like <laughs> Brady Bunch, I like definitively am like annoyed when I'm listening to it. Like, that's fair. Yeah, I I I think it actually is. It's like it gives you uh, a reaction. A, yeah, a reaction is better than nothing. Like stop dragging my car around feels like it just it it just passes me by. Yeah. And this nope. one at least is is something. But yeah, not my favorite. Um but better than <laughs> stop dragging my car. There around. we go. All right. I mean, I love that our lists are so dramatically different. There is I know, I know. The only thing that we agree on is currently our positions for another one rides the bus is exactly the same oh there you go <laughs> that's it though nothing else is in the same <laughs> the same spot all right matt we'll be back with more next week sounds good hello everyone we're superhero stuff you should know and if you think you know about superheroes and comic books Think again. We got romance. We got action. Romance. We got comedy. We got everything you need, man. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know for all your superhero needs. Uh, ro I, I don't know about this romance. What part are you talking about? We've got all kinds of sketches and then deep dives on top of that. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know. <laughs> all right. So come on down to... Wait, why did I say come on down? To superhero stuff you should know. Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy, 
Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and oh, the practical effects. <sighs> um, and also the male gaze. My gaze at the males. hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 